Because if we're not consciously including, we are accidentally and unconsciously excluding. If you have a brain, you have unconscious bias. It literally is the only way you can survive the overwhelming amount of information you take in each day. Think about it. When have you made a snap decision about a person that was wrong? Or what assumptions have people made about you based on how you look, the car you drive, or the school you attended? When did these assumptions help you? And when did they hold you back from opportunity? In this thought-provoking conversation with Carson Johns, learn about what unconscious bias is, how it serves you, and how it impacts every decision you make in life. Carson will also share some powerful stories and strategies for how to trick your mind to stay open and curious to people and situations that feel really different and unfamiliar to you. This ability will lead to greater joy, connection, and inclusion at work and in life. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Inside Journey. We are here with Carson Johns. We are so excited, Carson, to have you here. Thank you. Carson is an executive coach, a facilitator, a public speaker, someone I met about, we were just talking about this about six or seven years ago. We met in the hotel lobby in LA. And the reason we met is because I was looking to bring somebody else on to our team. And I was working at a consultancy at the time. And I remember the only thing I had heard about you, Carson, from a common friend was that you did a lot of work in the corporate sector, but you were also this like very spiritual person who was really interested in personal and professional development. And I loved that. You walked in, you have such great energy. We immediately hit it off. Um, you just have this like warmth about you. And I remember thinking, I want to hire this person and I want this person to be my good friend, you know? And it's so funny now, as I introduce you thinking about the unconscious bias that I, you know, brought to that, that conversation, but Carson, just a little bit more introduction works with big companies like Deloitte and Salesforce and Microsoft and LinkedIn and sounds like over the past several years, a lot of what you've been doing is focusing on diversity and inclusion and unconscious bias. And well, Kim's been talking about you for years, Carson. And I remember when we did the LinkedIn tutorial for Zoom. Yeah. I, I liked you too, you know? <laughs> yeah. Good. And then when she just started to describe the work you've been doing around unconscious bias and the inclusion and diversity work, I thought, boy, I want to have Carson on because there's so much I can learn around it. And I feel like there's probably so much that we can all take away around what is even unconscious bias and how does it serve you in your life and how does it hold you back and how can we start to really shine the light on it? Let's bring him on. So thank you so much for coming over and being with us today. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for the glowing introduction. I don't know if I would agree with all of those things. When you said he's very spiritual, I mean, I, I, that's true. It just doesn't always come off that way for most uh -huh. people. But one of the things that you, you just talked about was about immediately liking somebody, which is such a, can be such a trap in so many different spaces. Uh, I can tell you for sure that I, one of my character traits is likability, right? I mean, people like me, I don't do anything much about it. I don't have to think about it. Not everybody, obviously, but it's also been a ticket into, into the door. It's been a ticket that says, oh, this guy's likable. Let's not look too deep. Let's not really scrutinize too hard. Let's not go into the surface and say, is this person really who, really who we need or who the team needs? It's, I like that person, he can come in. 
Um, so for me, that's been a positive, right? That 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 bias that's called affinity bias. I like somebody who's like me um, has has absolutely helped me walk in those doors. But what also occurs is when when bias, when unconscious bias, like an affinity bias, if it's helping you uh, without you earning it, mm. it's hindering somebody else without giving them an opportunity. Yeah. But can we back up and even talk about what unconscious bias is? I don't I I haven't heard that expression a lot and I think that it would be really great for you to break it down and why we do it and what's it all about. It's very brain oriented, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's it's so this will be, you know, neuroscience 101 at best, right? We'll, we'll do it as easy as possible. But the a lot of the work that I've studied and read comes from Daniel Kahneman who wrote a book called Thinking Fast and Slow. So he's a Nobel Prize winner. He talks about decision-making, social economics, how we collectively as a whole make decisions and, and how our unconscious is, is really tapped into all the time. Mm. So he talks about system one and system two. Simplest way to do it. Uh, you can call it the slow brain or the fast brain, right? So unconscious bias is our brain's automatic tendency to make snap judgments quick decisions, delete information, skip things, bypass, find patterns, make life easier for our brain. Mm -hmm. So our brain is, again, two systems, an old brain and a new brain. That's the fast brain and the slow brain. So the, the old brain, its job was to do two main things, save energy and keep you alive. And that part of the brain is all automatic. It uses little to no effort. You don't have to think about what you're thinking about. Let me just say that again. You don't have to think about what you're thinking about, right? You just have thoughts. So an example of that is this. When I walked into the lobby and you were sitting down and I was walking towards you, your brain was having thoughts. Whether you were noticing them or not, doesn't really matter. Your brain was having thoughts and your subconscious mind was receiving information and, and, then, con and then informing your conscious mind. If I was uh, wearing a giant monster suit and coming running for you, right. your brain would have done the same thing. Yeah. But your brain would have said, get the heck out no. of here. <laughs> what you saw and what you believed about who I was in that moment said, oh, yeah, stay here, sit down, have a drink, smile, laugh, because you felt safe. Yeah. Right. You felt like, OK, I can connect with this person. You didn't do that consciously. You didn't go, okay, hold on. I'm about to think this. And then you had the thought. The thought just came in. That's your fast brain. That's the system one, the one that's old, the one that makes decisions for you. So you don't think to have a thought. You just have a thought. Yes. It comes popping in, popping in. And you have thousands of them every single day. Right? So what directs your behavior is what you do with those thoughts. Why do we do that? I mean, why are mm. we why are we constantly making decisions like that all the time? Is it yeah. because it's survival or? Yeah. So we're again, that that older part of the brain is wired for two things. It's wired to save energy and it's wired to keep you alive. So if you think about years and years and years ago, we're hunter gatherer people were, you know, running from lions and tigers and bears and trying to find the right berries to pick and making sure we remember the ones that made us sick and all of the things that your your subconscious mind does it does for survival. That's right. And it works super fast, right? So here, let get this. You're receiving right now, your, your body is sending your brain 11 million bits of information every second. Wow. Jeez. That is 
hard to absorb. So your conscious brain can only really process 40 bits a second. And it can only remember seven. Where do wow. all the other bits go? Into your subconscious. They just get shoved in there? <laughs> well, it's not like it's storage <laughs> space. <laughs> right. But they do. It is. It, it, everything that you've absorbed through media, through reading, through travel, through friendships, through groups, through education, everything that you've absorbed is somewhere in there. Yeah. Right? It's somewhere in there or it's, or it's deleted because we don't think we need it. Right? A lot of information gets deleted. Yeah. So this is a great thing, right? I love it. Why are we even discussing this? My brain is perfect. It, it takes what it needs. <laughs> I stay safe. Yeah. Well, here's what's the, wrong with, yeah. what's here's wrong the with that. Here's the problem. The problem is that your subconscious mind, your unconscious mind is also responsible for fear detection. And so we, when we walk around in the world, that part of your brain is trying to keep you safe. It's going fear, fear, not fear. And so the stress response kicks in. And when the stress response kicks in, you can't use your frontal cortex, which is again, the newer part of the brain. That's the slow brain. So let me talk to you about that for a okay. second. Your slow brain is, is, is responsible for reason and logic and understanding and empathy and problem solving. So when we're stressed out, we can't use that part, which is the best, most thoughtful decision maker. That's where we should always be making hard or challenging or big decisions need to be from here. Yeah. But generally they're not because we walk around in a world that is designed for survival mode. Right. Right. We, we have systems that are designed to keep you in survival mode. Every commercial you see is about lack or maybe you have this, but you don't have it. So right. you're, you're not, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Every time you turn on the TV, you're getting loads of information that's here to really honestly just persuade you and or um, manipulate you, <laughs> right? So, so we're being manipulated by our, our brain that just wants to do its job. So if we want to, and I know our listeners are always striving to become more aware, mm. more open-minded, this is a huge thing to understand, right? Yeah. And so here's the thing. If you have a brain, you have unconscious bias. You can't not. If you have a brain, you have biases. And so it's kicking in all the time. We make upwards of 40,000 decisions a day. So we can't possibly do all of that on. Right. Yeah. So your brain's a problem solver, right? Let me make this easier for this body that's taking me through the world. Yeah. It solves four problems all the time. There's too much information. So I have to figure out, second, what's important. So of all these 11 million bits, what do I need to keep and retain? That's your brain doing it for you. So too much information, need to figure out what's important. Those are two problems. Yeah. The other one that is, is that we constantly need to act fast. We're always moving super fast. The fourth one is we live in, in ambiguity and vagueness. Like how often do you just make shit up? Right. Like without even being aware of it. Probably. Oh, we, all the time. We do it all the yeah. time. So we, we, we leave a meeting, we leave a, a situation, a scenario. Not everything is answered. We're not quite sure what they meant by this. We're not quite sure what they meant by that. We don't ask enough questions. Oh, we got another meeting in three minutes. We right. got to go. We got to go. We got to go. And so you walk away and you make shit up. It's okay. like shortcuts, right? Yeah. You MSU just... all the, t all day long. I'm not talking about the school. We yeah. make shit up. Uh, yes. <laughs> So what your, your question was, how do we become more aware? How do we, or what's the problem with it? The problem is this. Yeah, what's the holdback? When, right. when it comes to making important decisions, when it comes to creating teams, when it comes to making people feel 
like they're included, like they can connect, like they belong, like they are safe. It's super important because if we're not consciously including, we are accidentally and unconsciously excluding. That's we don't even know we're doing it, but people don't feel safe. And that's the biggest, human beings have a lot of things in common and a lot of things we don't have in common. One of the things we have in common is a need to feel safe and secure. Yes. And if we are at work or in a, in a group, and we don't feel safe. We can't bring our best person to work. We can't, our brain is in survival. Right. So we're not thinking as clearly as we could. We're not as energetic because we're figuring out how to survive, how to survive. So inclusion is important in this diversity space because diversity isn't enough. You can't just have, oh, we have a diverse diverse group of people because not everybody in that group is going to feel like they can be their best or their authentic self or whatever. Right. So whether that's gender or age or sexuality or size or political affiliation, or let me go religion. I mean, like I can go down the line, is if we can't create spaces where all those people can get along and to be their best, we don't have outcomes that are the best. Or we have what we have right now in the world, just turn on the news and things are aflame. It leads to so much um, hatred, right? Because we tend to fear what's different from us. And, And it just leads to so much divisiveness. Yeah, so what we fear, we tend to want to destroy. So if we actually want common ground and we want inclusiveness, we have to trick our brains into a new pattern. Because what I'm hearing is your brain will always look for fear and protection. Yeah. Yeah. And whatever is different, it triggers different, alert, alert. So it's like this slowing down and unwinding. Is that right? If I really want to have different people around me, I'm going to have to work with this. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it, it's easy to work with people who are like you. Yes. We all kind of want to work with people who we like. Yes. Right? So it's not about liking more people. It's about how can I find connection and common ground with yes. more people so I can understand. What are the tenants that battle our biases and open us up to inclusion? What what can people who are listening to this right now practice in their in their day to day life? Well, you said it before, slowing down, pausing yep. in uh, times of stress, in times of high stakes, mm-hmm. in times of decision making, and in times where you where people will be affected by my decision. Yeah. So whether that's hiring, firing, promoting, you know, what am I doing as a team building tr- with my team? Like, you know, oh, we're all going to go out. Well, we don't do that anymore, but let's all go get drinks, except for the one person that's been an AA for 10 years and doesn't really feel comfortable doing that. Or, right. oh, look, look, we're all golfing. Yeah. I don't golf. So we have to be more thoughtful. Like yeah. we Got have it. to look around and that takes slowing down and pausing. Sure. Then we have to ask more questions, right? What's the impact of this? What's the positive and the negative? And, and I'm making this decision, but what information am I using to, to make this decision? So like people like in hiring, like hiring practices are starting to, Take the name off. Take the college, what college they went to. Because we we have that, oh, what which college is better than this? Or, hey, we went to the same one. They must be great. It's so easy to do. Yeah. Oh, we have a lot in common. Great. We must. Exactly. Right. So, so ask more questions. Slow down and pause. Be thoughtful when you're creating the space. So when I, I talk about like setting the table so that everybody can eat what they want to eat. And setting the table takes thought. Mm-hmm. Well, where should I sit people? And what do people need? If I just throw a bunch of food and silverware on the table and be like, go at it. Right. We're, it's, there's not going to be equity. 
right? So I have to think about how do I set systems up and places up. And it's different for every organization and every group and every team because there are different rules and social norms and different people need different things. So another tenet would be treat people as an individual versus a label. Becoming more inclusive, being more thoughtful takes time, takes more energy, takes more effort. It does. It's tiring. Yes. But what occurs is in the long run, you get better results. And what I mean by that is people are happier. Yes. You solve problems quicker. You handle disagreements faster. You get better ideas because people feel like they're a part of something, that, they, that, they're, that they're safe here. That if I challenge my leader, he's, that he or she isn't going to go, shut up, you're new, you don't know what you're talking about. So we, we take more time to be more thoughtful and then also asking your team to engage in that process of setting the table. So set rules of engagement. And I'll give you an example of what I mean by this. So I run, I mentioned before, I run a kid's camp in the summertime. I used to before we, you know, before we were able to go, not go outside. And at that camp, we have big rules. We have camp choice rules, right? But then also they have different living quarters and little pods. And what we have them do is create conditions of living together, hmm. which is what we need to do in every in every relationship, honestly, is what are the little things that we want to agree upon to make our lives move forward faster yeah. and, and easier with, with less just, you know, resentment and little things. And so in at camp, it's like, how long our shower is going to be? When is lights going to be out? If we get in trouble, what are we going to do? Like all the different things that we that might happen. But the kicker is we, we make the kids come up with it. Mm-hmm. Right. So we make our campers come up with that list. So when they break those rules, we can yeah. go, hey, you made the rules. That's yeah. right. Right. We all agreed on these rules. Now, again, with rules of engagement, it needs to be, we're going to do our best bet to start with those and then follow them. Mm-hmm. Rules of engagement. Mm-hmm. But, but it's inevitable that we won't be able to follow those rules all the time. People will make mistakes. Yeah. And we might set up a rule of engagement that doesn't actually end up working out or it's it's not working the way we wanted it to. So rules of engagement need to be checked in on and re-agreed to or changed and then re-agreed to. So it's not like, okay, well, we set these rules, you know, at the beginning of this project and now six months in, we're using the same rules. It's kind of like, you know, and this is a sort of funny analogy, you know, you don't get married and say your vows and then don't ever revisit that in your relationship. Like, oh, we said it one time, it's fine, it should be fine. Mm-hmm. We're 20 years into this relationship, mm-hmm. like things have changed, I've changed, right. we need different things. So in relationships in general, what's working, what's not working, how can I help? What are What's a new agreement we need to make? Is and, so important. Well, and so much as you're talking, I keep thinking it comes down to having a conversation. Yes, I yeah. mean, think about if teams, had this half day session where it was just rules of engagement. What would work? Mm-hmm. What would be best? Six months, they have the same conversation. They revise, reiterate. Yeah. Don't wait that long. No. Yeah. What's a, what's Three a good months. cadence? Uh, you know, it depends, right? It depends on what fits for that group. Um, I think as a leader and as a team member, people need to be aware and have permission to speak things up if something's not working. Got it. Like anybody should be able to have a, hey, hold on, we need a rules of engagement conversation. Mm -hmm. Anybody should be able to do that. Mm -hmm. But a leader needs to be really mindful of it so that he or she or they can be, can snip it in the bud. So what happens is it's the little things generally that create big cracks. And so over the course of time, if I'm the one or the marginalized or the whatever, 
I start to feel more and more, and then the crack's too big, and that's when people quit or they get fired. So or it's they, permission as if, as soon as the yeah, real as engagement is, doesn't feel yeah, right to bring yeah, it up, yeah. to yeah. have and the then, conversation. Again, one of the things that I think would be good for listeners or for you is like the idea of how do I do that. So if you set that up in your rules of engagement, that's a great thing. That's to do. right. Mm-hmm. Like how will we call it out? That's mm-hmm. right. How will we call it in? So there's this idea of calling out versus calling in, and calling out is like. It's kind of more when something really needs to stop. Like, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. That's not okay with me, right? Yeah. Stop. But what, what happens oftentimes is it, that takes a lot more work. There's more risk. It's really uncomfortable often. And often, you know, I would say when it's overt, bias, racism, things like that, call it out. Like, yeah. point the finger, use shame if you need to. What do you say? Like, what would you actually say? You know, it depends in the yeah. moment. But uh, things like, hey, that's not okay. Like what you just said there is not okay to say. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. you need to correct it. Mm -hmm. Like that's a call out, right? Mm -hmm. Or I mean, people use call outs and fire people or Mm -hmm. cancel people, you know, especially when it's systemic and it's also been happening for a long, long time. Like I think that people need to to tone for that, right? Whatever that might look like. But then here's another one to practice is calling in. What's that? So calling in is the, the inquiry. Ask, invite, share. So ask more questions. What did you mean by that? when you said this, mm. or what's your context of that word? Or have you noticed that every time you ask somebody to take notes in the meeting, you're asking, you know, the youngest, petite, or, the youngest, the whatever. Have you noticed that? Or have you ever thought about what that might mean to other people or how that might come off to people of color, people in the marginalized sort of areas of the world? Did you ever know? I mean, I mean, my friends will be like, oh, Carson, your, your privilege is showing. <laughs> you know, or, wow. you know, like that, yeah. that, if it's, but it sounds yeah. like much more of a compassionate yeah. way yeah. of getting about, someone and to I got be aware. This from, you know, somebody else, Dr. Clark, if you want to look it up, but um, ask, invite, share. Ask, right? ask, invite, share. And if you just think about those three words, it's way more inclusive in general. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to know, I want to understand more, asking more questions, inviting uh, conversations, inviting people in, in general, we, again, it's when you're in the in group, you don't really notice what it's like to be in the out group. And a lot of times you don't even notice that there is an out group. That's right. Right. Share experiences. When, when you hear of an experience of someone again, in a, in a marginalized category, whatever that is, and it's a real life experience. So often people want to just discount it. Oh, well, you shouldn't have felt that way. You shouldn't have done this. Oh, you take it. You're, you're too sensitive. I've been a culprit of this as well. You're just too sensitive. Hmm. Right. What does that even mean? Too, what is too sensitive? Right. And those feelings are real for them. Yeah. Right. So like an experience is a, is a reality. Don't care if you believe the same thing they saw or, or heard or felt. It's a reality to the person that's experiencing it. But you're doing what you talked about earlier, which is discounting or deleting something that doesn't fit within your right. filter. When fear is present, it changes behavior, period. Unless we are really evolved in the moment mm-hmm. and check with our, like, why am, why, hold on. Uh-huh. So your stress response is kicked in. Why do I need that right now? Is yeah. that really helping me? Most of the things we worry about and stress about, we can't control anyways. Yeah. Right. So again, Overcoming bias in yourself is really, a, it's an inside job. Yeah. It's something that you 
you know, that you can have help with it because a lot of, here's another one that's a good one. A lot of times it's unconscious for you, but everybody else sees it. Totally. So you have, if you're a leader, if you're, you know, trying to be, create more inclusive, you're going to be like, hey, I'm vulnerable here. Like, I don't know it all. Yeah. I know I've screwed up. Like, you got to ask you for know. feedback. Yeah, get feedback. Exactly. So it's not what people normally do. We're not raised to be wrong. What happens when you're wrong? You get punished. That's why I think mm. so many people are so fragile right now because they're getting called out and they don't want to look wrong. Totally. Nobody does. So we live in a survival society, right? We live in a survival. We don't live in a place where we thrive very often. Mm. Think about work in general. For most people, they survive their day. Wow. They don't thrive through their day. Yeah. And so again, that's just work. And then don't don't even mention COVID nineteen, political division, racism, police brutality, recession, losing. I mean, come on, like everyone right now fires. Yeah, everyone right now has lost their mind. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about individuals. Not you. Not you. Not the person that's listening. Going, no, I'm aware. We as people have lost our minds. And I feel like we need to recollect those and really start to think about how manipulated I've been by the world, by, by I've allowed myself to be, right? As you know, talk about victim mentality. We could say, well, the world's making me do this, but I've allowed the world to make me do this. Fr- Victor Frankl, the only thing that you have control over is what's going on inside your mind and your heart. Yeah. That's the only thing we really have control over. You know, who, whatever, lightning can strike right now and we'd all be gone. Yeah, Johanna and I were just talking before you came over today about how because of all those things happening in the world right now, everybody is turning over every rock in every aspect of the world. Oh, Where do I want to live? It's the great reshuffling. It's the great reshuffling. Exactly, mm-hmm. right? In every like, sense, Geogra- geographical, work. Yeah. If we choose to not be victims and to not be trapped in this thinking, but to instead say, what? why is this happening? And, and, yeah. and what can I learn about myself in this? And I'll also just challenge you on that and just to make a statement that it's a lot easier for you and me and you to do that mm-hmm. than somebody who's working three jobs yeah. or is on unemployment and has three kids or doesn't own their home or yeah. fill in the blank. Right. I mean, we have the luxury, the luxury of sitting here doing a podcast in Orinda with 70 degree weather and I don't have to be at a certain place at any time today because I'm allowed, I have the life like that. Yeah. Part of the way, the reason we have that is the privilege that we didn't earn. Totally. Right. Again, people out there in the world, it's not bad that you have it. You didn't do anything to have it. It's an unearned advantage, right? Privilege is not, it's an unearned advantage. That's all it is. If you're going to be a basketball player and you happen to be 6'5", that tends to be, and maybe not so much anymore with this. Way Seven foot. Yeah. Well, no, it's kind of like it's actually smaller players are like stuff. Mm. Anyways, we, I digress. But you know what I'm saying? If you're born six feet five, you know, it, well, let's just use size as a bias. 70% of Fortune 500 CEOs who are men are six foot or above. Yeah. Right. Is. Above average height. Mm. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Well, think back 20,000 years ago. Listen, I'm going to probably give authority 
to the biggest mofo right. that I know because that person will protect me. Yeah. They're capable. And in that world, probably so. Maybe not totally. I mean, there's a lot of younger or younger, smaller people that can kick some butt too, right? Sure. So again, it's this older brain. Like, why do I why do I associate strength? Well, not strength, but capable. And a lot of it goes tall. to biology too. Like, are you a good mate? Will you be able to bear children? Yeah. Are right. you like your brain is like calculating all of these things? They're so yeah, so the, primal. It, it's, yeah, it's primal stuff that we don't need to worry about anymore. Yeah. Right. I say right. I, I used to say this a lot because it was for the most part true. It's like we're not running around our office being chased by saber-toothed tigers. But our boss registers the same way as that saber-toothed tiger. For sure. Mm -hmm. Now, though, we really are facing actual threat to our health and our livelihood and well-being. And so survival modes kicked in with people. They've chosen sides. They are not backing down They're, because they can't in their mind. If they let go of that, all will be lost. That makes so much sense. So... What I got from this loud and clear, and it was so illuminating, is what you just said, we're not raised to take the autopilot off, but there are so many things you can do, which is to question your thoughts when the fear comes in, instead of just believing it, ask questions, unpack it, put, make the dinner table inclusive, Right. Yeah. you know, create ground rules for teams to live by. And they can change. When and, they then need to. Yeah. and then check How's in. Yeah. And then check in. How's it going? Yeah. What are you loving? What is not working right now? Yeah. And being really deliberate and thoughtful about the table that you set, mm -hmm. yeah. the environment that you create. And I think the other thing too is, especially when we live in a world that's siloed and we definitely live in our in groups, it is important to, you know, pick up a book and read something you wouldn't normally read. It's yeah. important to, Watch the other news station. It's yeah. important to reach out to people. Yeah. And again, like ask, invite, share. Yeah. Ask, invite, share. Ask, invite, share. We don't see the world clearly. That's right. Right? We don't. We, it's almost impossible to see everything. Right? So we see the version that we want to see. And we make ourselves safe in that version. And so, again, getting uncomfortable, reaching out, getting into a place that's, that's uncomfortable and not unsafe. Mm. Right? And a lot of times you know, uncomfortability can feel like it's unsafe when it's really just uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah, getting us out of our comfort zone. Mm. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. This has been, my head is like, there's just so many good takeaways and um, this was so insightful and inspiring and we so appreciate it. I could it. talk about it for days. I could tell it's <laughs> something you're passionate about. It's so about. interesting. You've made us all think in new ways. Thank you so awesome. much. Awesome. Thanks for time. having me. Thank you. That's all for now. If you are inspired by this podcast, hop on over to InsideJourney.com for more episodes and to learn about our work with leaders and teams. And make sure to subscribe to InsideJourney.com so you never miss an episode. As Brene Brown wisely said, when we deny our stories, they define us. When we own our stories, we get to write a brave new ending. We couldn't agree more. Own your story. Love your story. Share your story. You never know who it can inspire. Thanks for tuning in. Can't wait for more juicy conversations with you next month.